What is going on, guys? Welcome to the Fantasy Roundtable Podcast with your host, Matthew Bruni. You can hit me up at SportsFanaticMB on Twitter. All right, what is going on, guys? It is Thursday, September 13th, and we are kicking off week two of the NFL tonight with the Ravens against the Bengals in Cincinnati. So, before we get into breaking down that game for fantasy, uh, just to give you guys a heads up, it's going to be a little bit of a shorter podcast today. Uh, got some family coming into town for the Ohio State Buckeyes against the TCU Horned Frogs this weekend. Uh, so going to spend some time with them and then have to pick some people up from the airport tomorrow as well. So tomorrow's podcast may be a little bit shorter than uh, I would like. Uh, but just to give you guys a heads up uh, ahead of time so you guys know these next two episodes might be a little bit shorter than usual. And then uh, so before we get into breaking down Thursday night game, let's go ahead and hit any of the breaking news that has happened over the past day. Starters and possibly one of the bigger games of the weekend in the Jags versus the Patriots. So Leonard Fournette says he's a game time decision. Uh, and as I talked about the other day, hopefully, if you're a Fournette owner, you own TJ Yeldon as he showed last week and in the past that he can be a viable backup for them. I honestly don't think Fournette is going to play. If he does, I think he's going to be limited. As I talked about, I think the Jags are focusing more on the long view of the season than having him play in week two, even though this honestly could end up deciding home field advantage in the AFC with this good as both of these teams are looking at the moment. I fully expect Fournette to sit this game. I really don't think he's going to play, so TJ Yeldon, if you got him, fire him up. Uh, Next up, Aaron Rodgers uh, is still rehabbing his knee sprain and is still considered day-to-day. I personally think he's going to play. I mean, he was very adamant about that on Sunday. I think a lot of that was probably due to the adrenaline still coursing through his veins and not realizing how much his knee hurt. But still, he's a smart enough and good enough quarterback, obviously, that if his knee is bad enough to where he can't maneuver around outside of the pocket, he'll do a good enough job maneuvering in the pocket where he needs to and just making quicker throws than trying to extend the plays uh, while... It does worry me a little bit with him going up against Minnesota. They were the ones who knocked him out last year with a shoulder injury. Their defense is nasty. One of the best, if not, you could argue, the best in the NFL. Uh, Obviously, a couple good hits could knock Rodgers out, and the Packers don't want that. You know, we'll see what happens. If Kaiser starts the game, I think you could almost downgrade everybody on that offense. to like the possible wide receiver fours for Allison and Adams. Uh, I wouldn't even play Jamal Williams. So, you know, that it's a huge Aaron Rodgers. It makes that team a playoff contender and a championship contender. Without him, they are possibly one of the worst teams in the league. Uh, Deshaun Jackson has still been limited in practice as of today, Thursday. So it'll be uh, the, he'll be someone to watch. Uh, I, I personally. 
I would think he's going to play, although with the concussion protocol, I think you have to be cleared at least a day ahead of time. So we still have a couple days left for him to get cleared for the game Sunday, but uh, he's he's trending, in my opinion, toward not playing. Uh, Marlon Mack still remains limited due to the hamstring. Um, I saw some people saying that they think he's going to come back and play uh, Sunday. I would think that even if he does uh, Jordan Wilkins and Naheem Hines are going to get a bulk of the work just because I don't think Mac is going to be fully healthy yet. So I would think if, if things are continue progressing the way that it is, he'll probably be back by week three for sure. But there is a chance that he plays this Sunday. And then lastly, DeAndre Hopkins was limited again Thursday. Uh, I'm really not that worried about Hopkins. Also on the Texans, uh, Will Fuller was limited uh or he was practicing, I'm sorry, today. So I think that that is a good sign for him to being available on Sunday as he did not play last week. So other than that, not really any other news. I mean, Janoris Jenkins, he's away from the team for fantasy, though that doesn't do much for me. Um, you know, Michael Thomas illness, but he is back at practice as well. So that's about it for the news front. Getting into tonight's game, uh, I think tonight's going to be uh, a fairly good game. Andy Dalton, uh, on the bang- starting on the Bengals side here, a- Andy Dalton has struggled, it seems, in the primetime games, whether it's Thursday, Sunday, Monday. He just seems to struggle. Uh, my hope is that that doesn't happen tonight. Uh, he's, again, full year in Bill Glazer's offense now, uh, a chance to look at uh, run it. They looked good in preseason, looked good in week one. I felt like, uh, for the most part, they did kind of outplay the Colts. I mean, Andrew Luck had to throw the ball 59 times to keep the Colts in that game. And uh, although he was driving them down the field to win the game, uh, still 53 times is a lot of times to throw the ball. So the Bengals were obviously doing a good job of, of keeping the rushing game off, maybe because Indianapolis doesn't have a rushing game. We'll see. I don't think the Ravens' rushing game is anything great. So I think the defense for the Bengals could play, uh, I mean, decent to stop them. I think their Bengals' secondary is much more uh, talented than their wide, res- or wide receivers, their linebackers, and their uh, defensive linemen. And uh, obviously Baltimore's defense is stacked as well. So I'm not expecting a shootout, uh, but I would still think it's going to be a good game. So A.J. Green here has not done good against the Bengals the past couple seasons. Uh, In fact, last year against the Ravens, he averaged in two games 8.1 fantasy points a game. Now, Jimmy Smith is out for the Ravens, uh, so that could help A.J. Green. I actually think this is going to possibly be be more of a John Ross game. I think with the way that they have played A.J. Green in the past, they've always had a corner on him and the safety over the top. I think that's going to leave Tyler Boyd if he's in the slot open more or possibly John Ross, especially if he's going to get the single coverage. Uh, He's obviously got the speed and ability to beat his man. Uh, If he's able to do that, I think Ross could get some uh, deep uh, down the field targets. If he does that and he scores, he's going to be the breakout of the game for the Bengals. Obviously, they could just force the ball to A.J. Green. They might do that. Like I said, with Jimmy Smith out, uh, none of their cornerbacks I think are quite as good. So maybe A.J. Green has himself a good good day, but I'm going to lean more toward John Ross in this one. Uh, As for Joe Mixon, the front seven for the Ravens is just so good. I'm not predicting him to have a very good game here. Uh, I mean, if he gets some work in the receiving receiving game – Uh, I think he could have a decent day for fantasy, but I'm not expecting much out of him rushing the ball. 
On the Ravens side of things, again, uh, Joe Flacco uh, looked much better last week. Again, it was against the Buffalo Bills defense, so you got to take that with a grain of salt with how good he looked. Uh, But the weapons that he has at wide receiver are the best he's had in quite a long time. John Brown looked good. Uh, He's been a very good player when healthy, and at the moment he is healthy. Uh, So I like what Brown's doing. Willie Sneed in the slot I thought was a good pickup. Uh, their tight ends with Nick Boyle and Mark Andrews. Uh, I, I would, I guess, lean Boyle here. Uh, he had more targets last week. I think Andrews is the by far. He is by far the more talented player, uh, but he's still kind of learning this offense and learning to block. He's not a very good blocker where Nick Boyle is. Uh, so when it comes to that, Boyle is going to be on the field more. If you're, if you can block and protect your quarterback, even if it's just chip blocking and then running out, however you do it, you're going to be on the field more. And Andrews is just not shown to be a very good blocker, so he is just not going to be out there as much as Boyle. Um, for me, I, I would lean heavily John Brown on this game. I know Michael Crabtree is considered their one, uh, and the Bengals do have a good secondary, but I think. With uh, Brown's ability to get by guys and being the deep threat, I think he'll be able to get by and make one big play, and that's all it takes with John Brown to get his fantasy points. Uh, I I don't see Crabtree having a big game unless they're able to get down in the red zone and he gets you know maybe like a one-touchdown catch, but even then, I don't see that happening for Crabtree. For me, it's going to be more of a John Brown game. Uh, The guy I really like, though, for the Ravens is uh, probably Buck Allen. Uh, I think... He, he played fairly good last week, although he did out-snap Collins. I think a lot of that was just because of how much they were up. But I do see Al getting uh, a lot of the receiving work this week, especially with Kenneth Dixon. He was put on the IR. That is something I forgot to mention in the news. My bad. Uh, but with him, with Dixon out now, obviously, Allen's going to get a lot of the receiving work, and he showed that he was very good with that last week. He caught, the, caught a pass and turned it into a touchdown. Uh, and I think that's where they're going to kind of have to focus. I think the Bengals, while I won't be able to shut down the run completely, will do a good job slowing it down. Uh, Alex Collins will be on the field, obviously, for the first and second downs. I'm not expecting him to have a big game tonight. So then when Allen comes out there and is going to be in there for the third down work uh, and most passing plays, uh, Joe Flacco will hopefully check it down to him and so i'm projecting him to have a good game you know i can see him having anywhere from you know 13 to 18 fantasy points especially if he's able to score a touchdown tonight the Bengals are i'm sorry not the Bengals. the ravens are a one-point favorite uh for my pig skin pick them with the fla blog where uh mr matthew fox who writes up our Thursday preview articles and our weekly picks. I believe the weekly picks one comes out on Friday. Kind of details how we pick our games and and who's doing what and who's doing good. I am a part of that group and I'm actually going to pick the Bengals to win tonight 24 to 21. And then so really other than that I'm hope I'm just hoping for a good game tonight. It'll be nice to watch a, a good football game. Obviously the Browns are on next Thursday night, so I'm really looking forward to that game. But before we get to that, uh, I posted a poll up on Twitter today about trades. And uh, it honestly finished much closer than I expected it to. And so the poll I posted was, uh, you know, take take roster context out of it, which I'll get into the roster context part of it here in a minute. But take roster context out. Which side would you prefer to have, T.Y. Hilton and a 20-20 second, this is for a dynasty league, 
or George Kittle in a 2021st. And I put that up because that is a trade that I uh, did in my Dynasty League. The winning side was T.Y. Hilton in the 2022nd at 62% with George Kittle in the 2021st getting 38%. It's closer than I thought it was going to be. In my opinion, I felt the 2022nd in T.Y. Hilton was the better side. And uh, I say that because while I do like draft picks and I do try to attain them in some of my dynasty leagues, especially after getting to watch players um, throughout the college year, I love watching college football and I do kind of pride myself on paying attention to the guys who I think are going to be coming out and everything. Uh, 2020 is two years away. And while I've talked about on this podcast before, whether it was a college preview or different other stuff, I think that the 2020 class is going to have a lot of good players in it. There's no guarantee of that. A lot of the guys that I like that I think will be coming out in 2020 will be juniors that year. Uh, just for an example, last year, LJ Scott and Bryce Love, two running backs that a lot of people were high on, were both juniors. They both decided to go back to school and are playing this year. So had I done this trade two years ago and gotten a 2020 pick or you know whatever, I'm sorry, a 2018 pick, uh, and I was like, oh, well, you know, Bryce Love and LJ Scott are coming out that year, so I can at least look forward to them. And then they came back, I'm screwed. Now I have to pick out of this class. Now, granted, I feel like this class is fairly loaded at running back. Uh, there's no guarantee that it'll be quite that loaded at the time that you're looking at a class like right now. If I'm looking at the 2020 class, I think that's going to be a really good class. If even three or four of those guys go back to school, whether all at one position or multiple positions, the next thing you know, this class is not quite as loaded uh, offensively than you would have hoped at the time that you were looking at it. And so the reason I asked to take roster context out of it is because I wanted just to get an idea of who thought uh, what side was better. And the reason I feel that the T.Y. side is better is because, yes, George Kittle looked good last week, and he looks like he's going to be a good young tight end. Uh, he just he hasn't proven it yet. He's been in the league one year, and the tight end position, in my opinion, is a complete crapshoot. There's about five guys that are elite at that position, and in my opinion, everybody else is in that second tier with a couple of the guys separated just a little bit at the top of that second tier. You know, David and Joku, uh, maybe Trey Burton. Uh, you know, even a Kyle Rudolph, I don't think is is in that elite tier one group anymore. So you got these guys at the top of the top of the tier two group. But they're still a tier two tight end, um, wide receiver for me. T.Y. Hilton's a top thirteen to fifteen wide receiver. So in my opinion, he's a top tiered one wide receiver. You know, especially with Andrew Luck, I think a lot of people forget that how good he was with Andrew Luck, or they like to bring up the fact that he's not quite as good when Andrew Luck's not playing. Well, no shit, man. That's Andrew Luck is a star quarterback. Antonio Brown is not that good when Big Ben is not playing. Yes, Antonio Brown has had some good games with Joshua Dobbs, or, or uh, oh my goodness, what's his name? Uh, my goodness, Landry Jones. God, I wanted to say Tom Landry, like the dude's coming back from the dead to play quarterback for the Steelers. I apologize about that one. Uh, Landry Jones. Yes, Antonio Brown had good games with them, but there was far more often he was having bad games than good games. You know, and that's the same thing with T.Y. Hilton. If you realistically go back and look at his stats when he was playing with Jacoby Brissett, he had a couple good games. He just had a lot more bad games. That's the same thing with every elite wide receiver except for one. 
DeAndre Hopkins is the only wide receiver who can make an argument that he is just as good with Deshaun Watson than with complete crap like Tom she Tom Savage. Oh, that was below the belt. Try to keep the gloves up. That was a little bit rude. He is an accomplished NFL quarterback or an NFL quarterback to be exact. So with that being said, I traded away T.Y. Hilton. And I did it because of roster context. And that is what I wanted to talk about today when it comes to trading. You, you can't always just assume, looking at a trade on face value, if it's fair or not. And I hate having this argument with people who, who base everything off trade calculators or anything. To me, there's just no way... To prove if a trade is fair or not based on that, every league, or not every league, most leagues are different, have different stipulations, different things going on. These leagues, or leagues, these sites that do these trade calculators to prove if something is fair or not fair, they can't put in all the variables of that stuff. So people, just stop. Use your fucking heads, alright? It's, it's so frustrating when I hear someone say, well, that trade wasn't fair, or that trade... There's almost never going to be a fair trade, okay, in most leagues. I feel that that trade was fairly fair, in my opinion, and why, I'll explain. T.Y. Hilton, again, as I said, was a top, is a top-tier wide receiver, so getting that first-round pick back, I think, with George Kittle meets Hilton's value closely. And that's why I also gave up a second-round pick back to him, because he's getting some of that value back with the second-round pick. I still think he wins the trade. And why I say roster context matters is that for this league, I have a wealth of depth at the wide receiver position. T.Y. Hilton was part of the strength of my roster. I have multiple wide receivers and multiple good wide receivers, for instance, and I, I will give some of them to give you guys an example. Odell Beckham, DeAndre Hopkins, T.Y. Hilton, Josh Gordon, Keelan Cole, Travis Benjamin, Jerron Brown, Danny Amendola. So yes, T.Y. Hilton, in my opinion, is my third best wide receiver on that team. I would take Odell and DeAndre over him every day of the week. If Josh Gordon gets healthy, or not healthy, if Josh Gordon becomes what I hope he will become again one day, then all of a sudden I'm able to replace T.Y. Hilton with him. My tight ends, Delaney Walker, Antonio Gates. Obviously, I don't have Walker anymore. That is why, for me, it was worth giving up T.Y. Hilton and a second-round pick to get George Kittle because I think George Kittle is going to be a good tight end. He's not going to, I don't think, bring me back the value T.Y. Hilton brought my team. But the point of that is I improved my team. Why did it work more so with uh, the gentleman I traded with is because he also needed a wide receiver badly. His team has it, he has a lot of wide receivers, but they're all say wide receiver twos or threes. His best wide receiver is Larry Fitzgerald, who I think is a wide receiver one. Don't get me wrong, but he's probably retiring, uh, retiring at the end of this year. His next best is Jordy Nelson and Robert Woods. I would take T.Y. Hilton all over all those guys. Maybe not Larry Fitzgerald. For some people, I could see the argument there. I would take him over Larry, and so that is where. Uh, for me, the roster context part comes in. So many people these days want to make a trade, and they have to win the trade. They're persistent about that. It's like the the, the scale has to slide 80% in their favor, or they're not going to do the trade. And people, stop being a bunch of fucking jackasses. Stop being a bunch of fucking dumbasses, alright? You need to look at the ros roster context, alright? 
in my opinion, I lost that trade, but I won all around. I got a top tight end, in my opinion, top 10 to 12 tight end that is going to help me now hopefully win the championship in this league because that's what I needed. I was hurting badly. I needed a wide receiver. I dealt from a position of strength and returned more than enough value to now help my my tight end position. And the same thing with the guy I traded with. He had Rob Gronkowski and George Kittle. Now, is he hurting at tight end a little bit? Yeah, sure. But he's got Rob Gronkowski. If, if Gronk stays healthy all year, he's got the number one tight end, at worst number three tight end. Then he'll be able to pick somebody up off the waiver wire whenever Gronk's on a bye to plug in for the one week he needs to plug him in. So just like me, he dealt from strength and then got back an even better player and, you know, a second round pick. But I'm not going to factor the I guess I shouldn't factor the picks into this part of it. Um, He got back a top tiered wide receiver that now he, he stacked his team. He has that elite wide receiver to pair with Larry Fitzgerald. And he has now helped continue building a championship team because, uh, I mean, again, you guys can't look at this. In this this league, his team, he's got some aging players where he probably has a couple more years left of the championship run before he's probably going to have to figure out if he wants to rebuild or try and build on the fly, which in all honesty is what I try and do every year. I hate rebuilding. I'm trying to win every year, so I'm making trades and making moves to try and win every year. So with that all being said, my point on all this is sometimes guys, you have to lose a trade to win it if that makes sense. You, you can't you're not you can't win every trade if you truly want to improve your team because eventually you're going to come to a point where people are not going to want to trade with you or they're not going to trade with you because they'll see you as this person who just has to win every trade and it's not worth it all the time. Again, I felt like I lost that trade. 68% of the people who voted on it felt like I lost that trade. In the short term, in the long run, I won that trade, in my opinion, because I gave myself the tight end that I needed. And that's what I think people need to do more of nowadays. I think you really, if you want to make a trade with someone, you need to look at their roster. You need to think about what their needs are, not just your needs. If you come to the table and try and make a trade with someone and offer them something that they need, maybe they don't take it, but at least they're looking at you and like, all right, man, this guy's actually looking at my team and trying to help improve me while improving himself. Things are going to go a lot farther. And that's exactly how I handled that trade. When I approached this guy in my league, I I texted him and I was like, hey, look, I know you need a wide receiver. I need a tight end. I'm willing to give you Josh Gordon or T.Y. Hilton, and I would like George Kittle. What else do we need to do to make this work? And that, you know, when from his point of view, he's like, all right, man, this guy, he's looking at my roster. He sees that I need a wide receiver. I'm willing to give him George Kittle. Let's make this work. Which wide receiver do I want? And then that's how the whole, that's how all the talk started. And that's how everything worked. And I'll be honest, he offered me a second round for a fourth rounder. And that's when I pushed for the first rounder because... I, like I said earlier, I like the 2020 class coming up. I thought I'd take a chance. There's nothing wrong with trying to push and see what else you can get. 
But when you take advantage of people or do different stuff, that's when people kind of get turned off toward things. And you get that bad reputation. And But he was fine with it. He's like, hey, you know what? You give me a second, it's a done deal. <laughs> I'm not giving you a second. I'm getting a tight end I need. You getting your, you're getting a wide receiver you need. And we're swapping some picks. You know, yeah, I'm getting the better one at the moment. But if he ends up winning the league next year and I'm getting the 12th pick in 2020, yeah, it'll help me out some. But getting the 12th best rookie and him still getting a top-tier tight end end who will still more than likely be a top 15 tight end by 2020 is is helping improve his team more at the moment so remember when you're sending out trade offers to people stop trying to be that that dick who's going to send a austin eckler for antonio brown trade that's never going to go down i mean i guess realistically if you can really pull that off in your league then just just bravo to you but i've i've always taken the the stance that you should try and do your best to make as best a trade offer as possible because if you're really willing to help out yourself and help out the other person it's going to work out better in the long run for both of you the fantasy gods will shine down on you they will approve of your actions they will grant you some instant fantasy karma which is always good you always want that little bit of luck on your side but realistically with that being said if you're you know in dynasty leagues or even if you're in a long running redraft league it does make it easier to trade with people when you've done trades in the past and people realize again that you're willing to work with them and help them make their team better while also making your team better and that that's my whole point on this trade discussion thing is you got to take into fact roster context whenever you're looking at a trade and you, whether you think it's fair or not or when you're trying to make a trade or propose a trade to someone, look at what their team needs are and then assess making the trade after that fact. Don't just sit there and look at your team and decide what you want to do for yourself because chances are you're going to get a better response from these people or you'll actually get a counter trade uh, based on what you need as well if you're trying to address their needs. All right, so that's really all I have on the uh, the trade talk. So. Since I'm not going to have time tomorrow to do it, I'm going to go ahead and jump into some of the college football games this weekend uh, and kind of give you guys some previews of them and, and talk about those for just a couple minutes uh, before I wrap everything up for today. So uh, on Saturday, number eight, Notre Dame is going up against Vandy. Uh, it's an interesting game for me. I, I'm hoping Notre Dame's got quite a tough schedule coming up. I'm hoping that they don't overlook Vandy as someone who who is not that good of a team and they can just easily get by them. I think Vandy could easily upset them uh, if they're not paying attention to them. Number three, Georgia's got middle uh, Middle Tennessee. I don't mid Tennessee. I don't see this being any kind of game at all. Georgia should steamroll them. Uh, and just to be honest with you guys right now, this is not a great week for college football. There's like four good games on the whole weekend, which kind of sucks to be honest with you. Uh, number five, Oklahoma at Iowa State. So Iowa State has played the role of uh, the team of upsetting people in the past, especially the past couple of years. I don't see it happening here. Uh, I'm interested to see how Oklahoma handles losing, losing uh 
their running back Rodney Anderson, the they lost him last week. Again, a guy I was really high on for Dynasty Leagues. Uh, so I'm interested to see how they do there without having him in the backfield anymore. Uh, number two, Clemson has got GA Southern. Uh, both teams 2-0. I don't see this being a big game, though, or any kind of issue for Clemson. Um, number 21, Miami is going up against Toledo. No big game here. I think Miami should easily come away with this one. Uh, number 18, UCF against UNC has been canceled due to the hurricanes uh, down there. Uh, hopefully everyone is safe. And if you are uh, if you are listening to this, you know, please get safe. It's not worth it. You know, protect yourselves. Protect your families. That, that shit is scary. I've, I've, I've never obviously lived through a hurricane being in Texas, but just seeing the videos and everything, the stuff going down there, hopefully everybody's okay. And, you know, everybody down there in the in the path of these storms and the hurricane coming up, you are in our thoughts and prayers, and hopefully you guys are all okay. Uh, number 11, Penn State up against Kent, Kent State. Nothing here. Penn State should easily go away, get away with this one. Uh, number 13, Virginia Tech versus ECU, also canceled because of the hurricane. And number 14, West Virginia against NC State is canceled because of the hurricane. Number 9, Stanford at UC Davis. So this is not a, not a big game here, but interested to see what Bryce Love does here, obviously. Uh, the Biggest, second biggest game of the weekend, and uh, one of the early afternoon games, which I'm glad because I really want to watch it, is LSU against Auburn. Uh, both 2-0. I think whoever wins this game uh, is going to be fighting with Alabama to either make it uh, into the SEC championship game or up against them. So, Auburn is being given a 74% chance to win this game. Uh, obviously very interested to see what Nick Brosett does for LSU. He's been on fire the past couple games rushing the ball. Uh, while he cannot oh, – I'm sorry. Actually, he can come out after this year. He's a senior. I would imagine he does so. Obviously, there's no guarantee he enters the NFL draft. I would think he does. Uh, so that's definitely a game I'm interested in watching. Auburn is favored by 10 points at the moment. Uh, I'm actually kind of hoping LSU wins this game. I do like Joe Burrow. He was uh, an Ohio State quarterback before he transferred to LSU. Uh, definitely by far the second most interesting game of the weekend, at least in my opinion. Uh, next up, Michigan. Uh, number 19, Michigan against SMU. Shouldn't be any issues here. Uh, Michigan should be able to roll SMU or get by them fairly easily. Uh, obviously, the guy I'm watching here uh, is their running back for Michigan, Karen Higdon. Uh, he's a senior as well, a guy I'm really high on. Uh, wasn't honestly up until that game against Notre Dame, but how good he looked. Uh, he really kind of piqued my interest, and I've been paying very close attention to him since. Uh, and he's still been doing a good job. Definitely interested to see how he does in this game and kind of where he's going the rest of the season. Watching him see how far I can, or not how far he can raise up my board, like that matter, or how I raise him up, but how far uh, he gets up my board uh, for dynasty rankings at uh, running back throughout the year. Uh, next up, we've got number six, Wisconsin at BYU. Uh, interested to watch Jonathan Taylor, the running back for Wisconsin here, but he's more of a 2020 prospect uh, than a 2019 prospect. But still interested to see what he does. I, I like to get as much viewing of these guys as possible. 
uh, before they come out in the draft class because I, I don't really pay. I, I watch the combine and pay attention to what they do there, but obviously what they do on the field is much more important to me at least than what they do at the combine. Uh, number 24, Oklahoma State against number 17, Boise State. Uh, this is an interesting game for me because I think if Boise State can win this game, they'll have a win over a Power 5 conference. Uh, which could be big for them if they go undefeated into making it into the playoffs. We haven't been able to see that yet. While I think the playoffs will eventually expand to eight teams, they haven't yet. Uh, I think this is the best case for a team outside the Power Five to make it into the playoffs, especially if Boise State can not only beat Oklahoma State, but make it a fairly resounding win. Uh, number 20, Oklahoma against San Jose State. Uh, just mostly interested in Oregon's quarterback here, Justin Herbert. See what he does. Again, I still have him as my number one ranked quarterback of this class, or quarterback of this class. Interested to see what he does. Number one, Alabama at Ole Miss. Uh, Ole Miss has given Alabama trouble in the past. I'm interested to see if they can do so. Again, I always love to see Alabama get knocked off, not going to lie. Um, maybe it's I'm jealous of the success that that program has had under Nick Saban. I, I personally just don't like Alabama, or uh, I respect Nick Saban, don't like him. Uh, so I always love to see them get knocked off. We'll see if that actually happens. For Alabama, though, I am watching uh, their running back, Damian, Damon Harris, as he can come out after this year uh, just to see what he can do. But then again, uh, Alabama's track record on running backs lately has not been great. Uh, Mississippi, number 16, Mississippi State against Louisiana. Uh, don't see any issues with them beating Louisiana this week. USC, Texas, number 22, USC. Uh, interested to see what goes on here. Um, while I'm not a big Texas fan, I know a lot of people who are. I do like to see Texas have success. I am a big fan of Tom Herman, their head coach, who was the offensive coordinator. At Ohio State when they won their per previous championship back in 2015. Uh, so definitely interested to see how that works out. Wait. God, did I say 2015? Was it? It was 2015 against. Okay. Uh, in my head, for some reason, I'm thinking it was it was the 2015 season. My bad, guys. I, I was overthinking that way, way too much. All right. Up after that, we've got number 10, Washington at Utah. Obviously interested in watching Washington. Miles Gaskins. Uh, their running back is very interesting to me. I like um, some of their wide receivers. Aaron Fuller, he's a junior. Uh, he's had a couple good games. Interested to see how he does. And then obviously Jake Browning, quarterback uh, guy. A lot of people have been high on the past couple years. Uh, he is finally a senior. So if he does decide to come out, uh, he'll, it'll have to be this year. A lot of people had high hopes for him the past couple years. Interested to see how the rest of his season goes. And then, of course, the fight in Herm Edwards, Arizona State, number 23 against San Diego State. I expect them to win as well. But the coup de grace, the best game of the weekend, at least in my opinion, because I will be there.
The Ohio State Buckeyes are taking on the TCU Horn Frogs this Saturday night at AT&T Stadium in Arlington. I will be there. I cannot wait. Uh, I think this is going to be a very good game. I know a lot of people are projecting Ohio State to win. I think it's going to be closer than people think. Uh, Gary Patterson, the Horn Frogs head coach, is an underrated defensive mind. I think he's going to be able to throw things at Dwayne Haskins that he has not seen while he is a sophomore uh, he has not played uh, much in Ohio State's offense, just two games against inferior opponents. He played some last year when JT Barrett was hurt, obviously, but now he's running the show. Interested to see what Mike Weber can do for the Buckeyes ground game. Obviously, huge fan of J.K. Dobbins. And then, obviously, what their their big wide receiver, Terry McLaren, can do as well. God, it's going to be a great game. Obviously, I hope Ohio State wins. If they don't, I'm going to be devastated. You will never hear the fight song on here again. Other than that, guys, uh, I mean, I just can't. I just can't wait for this game. All right, I really can't. Uh, I wish Saturday night would be here already because I really want to go. Uh, the fact that it's predicted that they're an 86 percent chance they're going to win it. They're a 13 point favorite. I'm sorry, 12 point favorite over TCU. Scares me a lot, but we've had great success in that stadium. Won the national championship in 2015 against Oregon. Beat USC last year. Uh, I cannot wait to go back. Look for me on college game day in the mornings. If you guys watch the show, I will be there with my father and my younger brother. We'll be holding up signs, trying to get a picture with Mr. Herb Street. I just I can't wait. It's going to be fun. Other than that, guys, I will see you guys tomorrow. We'll have the Sunday Breakdown Podcast. Have a great day, guys, and we will talk again soon. Peace. Listening guys, hit me up at Sports Fanatic MB on Twitter.